Welcome to HubSpot's Unconventional Business Podcast. I'm your host, James Gilbert. The best companies are the ones that make it incredibly easy and delightful to do business with. It's seamless, frictionless, intuitive. It's not just a better experience, they're actually disrupting our very notion of what consumers should be able to expect from companies. You see, Aussies and Kiwis are a hard bunch to please. We have some of the highest expectations in the world, and luckily for us, our homegrown businesses know this. This season, on HubSpot's Unconventional Business, you'll be meeting some of our best homegrown brands as they share how they're growing and winning by disrupting the customer experience. Let's meet today's guest. So most of us at some point have probably felt over our heads when we're in a winery or a bottle shop and we're trying to pick a wine that's tasty but isn't going to break the bank. There are rows and rows of the stuff, all with different names, and it's almost like there's an exclusive language defining what is that great bottle of wine, and it's one you just can't put into Google Translate. Well, to help us understand this wine language into something that everybody can understand, we've got a great guest for you this week. Our guest is Mariano Favia, Vino Mofo's Head of Marketing. Welcome to the show, Mariano. Thank you. Thank you, James. That was a great intro. <laughs> oh, thank you. For people that don't know Vino Mofo, how would you describe it? I would say we are the most modern company in terms of wine, at least in APEC, um, mm-hmm. which disruptive in terms of how people used to consider wine and um, brought wine for everyone. Um, what it was prior before in the time, like something that was only for rich people, like, and you have to drink a, a wine for Burgundy to taste a real wine. We took that away and we brought it to the people and standardized how, how drink good wine doesn't have to be expensive. And I think we make that accessible for everyone. That's how we describe it, accessible for everyone. And how did it actually start? How did you start on that journey? Vinomofo. So Vinomofo started with um, co-founder, the founder, Justin and Andre, both started the journey. They they both come from the wine industry and they were both passionate about wines and started building different business models in in terms of wine. They started with uh, drop shipping and they started pivoting different business models until they reach what is at some point what it's been no more for today. Um so they both come from the wine. So they wine passion about it. And they don't want mm-hmm. to pay one billion dollars for a nice bottle of wine. So they brought that philosophy into what is today um the core value of, of Vino Mofo. Why do you think something like it hadn't existed before? I think like wine as a product has been around for hundreds of years, but it always, I think, to your point, has been uh, coveted in this way that doesn't make it as accessible and makes it hard for people, and I'm absolutely in this camp, like lay people like myself, I don't know the difference between all these uh, French-sounding names, and I'm pretty scared to actually pronounce them to somebody. Uh, So why... Why was it the time right for Vino Mofo to open up that world and make it more accessible? I think mostly is within the disruption of technology. Technology allowed mm-hmm. Vino Mofo's core philosophy to make it live. Um, I think before, and this we're talking about 30, 40 years ago, drinking good wine was only for a bunch of rich people. Um, and because no many people had access to the information about that wine was pretty much exclusive for this for this group. And I think all the technology allowed the disruption, not only for the wine industry, but also other industries, to make that wine, and you can replace wine with whatever kind of commodity you want, accessible for everyone. And that was the case for Vino Mofo. Um, access to information was at the time, and wine just made that what Vino Mofo is today. It's actually kind of why HubSpot as a company came into existence was the internet really empowered people to do a lot more of their own research and a lot more information to be democratized. And so if you wanted to get informed on a subject or about a company, uh, you could actually do a lot more of that research yourself as an individual than used to be true, where prior to the internet, you would only be able to get the information that the companies decided to release however however they right. decided to do that 
Um, and so what has that looked like? So it's largely people come to the website and do you have lots of information where you try to educate them about different styles of wine or is it more actually stripping away a lot of the reasons people thought they had to get educated before buying a glass of wine or is it a bit of both? I think it's a combination, correct? Um, we do explain every product page what the wine is, but in a language that people will understand. We yeah. do not say fancy words that are hard, that you need to go to a dictionary to understand where they're from or um, actually finding the actual meaning. We just put mm -hmm. the actual um, description of what do feel like the wine is, and we put in words that everyone can understand. And that's what makes us very unique. Um, core of, of a brand purpose is no BS, no bow ties. And we just mm -hmm. leave that in, in every day at Vinomofo, which is do and say things the way they are. And we don't have to explain with fancy words um, what the things that really are. So if the wine it goes well with lamb, it goes well with lamb. It doesn't go well, well with lamb, with rosemary, a little bit of orange. No, it goes well with lamb. Everyone knows what lamb is, and this one goes out. That's it's, it's good for with that type of food. So, I think we just simplify the the decision process from customers understanding how they talk, and again, it brings the core philosophy of bringing Mofo, Vino Mofo to to the customer. So, that's essentially, it. so we explain what the vin, uh, the wine is, but in a language that it's understand for everyone. So this yeah, yeah, I feel like. Uh, prior to, to you existing and, and prior to those descriptions, it was another language you had to learn before you could even understand what people were saying. The, it's weird. There was like a made-up language in between understanding mm. what the product was like and what you were experiencing. And it feels like your mission has really been to take away that language and say, no, it's pretty straightforward. Like you're consuming something and it should make you feel certain ways. You should taste a certain thing. And we're going to describe that in the language that you use every day so that everybody doesn't have to learn this foreign language to get an understanding. That is correct. And it also adding to that, which is very interesting, we, every day, we try to improve our customer experience, user experience on the website. So people, for example, they don't have to guide them their buying decision by a label. That's mm -hmm. not what drinking good wine is. You, I could have the best wine label, but if the taste of the wine is not good, then the label means nothing. So we take the design out of uh, what a beautiful label could be, and that's it, it, it's it's fantastic to have a, a beautiful label, but it doesn't express the what the actual liquid is. Um, yeah. So the idea of the descriptions and talking to the in, in a language that is accessible for everyone. Uh, simplifies and reduces the impact of a pretty label. Yeah. Makes sense. It's absolutely. It's it's interesting like if I think about my own experience, I really do not know the old language of wine at all. And I would go to bottle shops trying to buy wine going around to someone's house for dinner or something. <laughs> and I wouldn't know how to choose what's good or not. And so the only things I could default to were like well, I guess it has to be in a certain price range. Like, I guess I can't spend less than twenty dollars, and like, I don't want to spend more than thirty. And then, like, I actually did choose bottles because I was like, well, that label looks cool. It's like a spotted pig, kind of interesting. Like, but then I also had the opposite mindset at the same time, where I was like, but does that mean it's actually like a crap bottle of wine, and they're just the way they're marketing this product is through the label and they don't need to do it. It's almost like when you have a restaurant in a killer location, the food might not be good because they've got the location to rest on. And I was wondering if it's the same with wine where it's like, you know, if the location of the restaurant is in the middle of nowhere but people go, it's because the food is phenomenal. Correct. Someone's doing a pretty amazing design on their label. Maybe the wine's not so good. So I, I was flying blind. Yeah, and that's... That's very common in many, many industries, um, mm. including wine, uh, where sometimes what you pay is actually the convenience or, or a brand. You don't pay for the actual, um, the actual product. It might sound irrational, but it is what it is. Sometimes 
I could be on the road um, uh, rushing because my dog, uh, I don't know, I need uh, uh, dog bags and I don't have, I have to pay a premium for that. And I, I didn't pay for mm. the, the, the bags. I paid for the convenience to have those bags at that time. And I'm happy to pay 10, 10 times sometimes because I, that's what yeah. I was paying. And uh, it's, uh, that can be extrapolated in, into many industries, including wine. And how, I think the one of price as it relates to wine is particularly interesting because, as you said, it's been one of these industries that um, has been around a long time, used to be associated more with wealth and that people would spend actually pretty outrageous sums of uh, money on wine versus most liquids. And I think where that dynamic exists, people assign value to how much something costs. Like, how is that? impacted Vino's Mofo's journey where you're trying to say, no, the price doesn't necessarily indicate the quality. Correct. And that's another core of our brand, the relationship with our suppliers. And that's exactly right. Um, the price doesn't sometimes, not in every, in every case, sometimes doesn't represent the actual value of the juice. And mm -hmm. What we do at Vino Morpho is trying to have the best relationship with the wineries and producers so we can bring um, that beautiful juice at a price that is convenient for the customer. So we can bring this, what we call the epic wines and good wines only by delivering 100% happiness guarantee. So well, how do we do that? Is having an excellent relationship with the producers so we can have the best price for what we call our mofos to mm -hmm. deliver a hundred percent happiness guarantee. And it's about relationship with suppliers. And that's why um, equal as our customers, we love them as much. What does hundred percent happiness guarantee actually mean if I'm a customer? It's more about a brand purpose. It's not something that we communicate as much as we should probably. <laughs> um, it's how we deliver things internally for the customer and the customer could be the actual customer or could be, um, a, uh, a client inside Vino Mobile, um, um, could be a, a supplier. It could be the, the person's making the deliveries, the, the warehouse people. It's a, it's a philosophy, happiness guarantee. And the, how we started with that was with our return policy. And nobody kind of knows it or as much, but if you order 12 bottles of wine and if you didn't like two of them, you have 365 days to return it and we will not ask any questions. Wow. So that is happiness guarantee. You, can, you, you didn't like it, we are terribly sorry. That can happen for many reasons. And here's your money back. And we don't want to, we do ask why you didn't like it so we can learn, but not mm -hmm. as, as a way just to not to give the money back. That is not a philosophy. Just you're going to get the, yep. wine, the money back. That's fantastic. And we're terribly sorry. In fact, you're going to get a discount um, for your next purchase because it's just no ideal. So that's how much we take care of our morphos. And that is happiness mm. guaranteed. Free returns, no questions asked. And make sure that you will order it again from Vino Morpho with the one that you absolutely love. And we give you a recommendation next time. Do many people take you up on that? I feel like there'd be... There's not many returns. Wow. That's pretty fascinating, though, because if you think about what you're trying to do, you're trying to take people that aren't really sure what they're wanting to buy and you're giving them recommendations of a product where there's a pretty wide variance of... Uh, people's taste and what they like and dislike. And so you would think within that, uh, if people aren't sure what they want and the spectrum of people generally, what they like is quite wide, the probability that somebody would purchase something and be like, oh, yeah, I got this wrong. Like I didn't know what I was looking for. And turns out I hate this white-coloured wine. Uh, but that's that. I think that must speak to your, like the quality that, uh, that you get from suppliers and possibly the way you recommend wine to people. Correct. And the description. So the yeah. description of our wines, it's pretty accurate because yeah. 
um, the way we build the description is while we are testing the wine. So the wine team and uh, all our buyers, our, our, our broker team, they take notes while tasting the wine. And those notes are actually the one that goes into the website. Ah, so that's it's cool. absolutely no bow ties. Uh, or we're yeah. not making things up. We just, how it tastes for us, it will taste for you. Yeah. And we are led, yeah. the customer tacitly is leveraging our experience to try the best wine. Um, yeah. And the policy of free returns is for, to reduce the friction of, and simplify the decision making again. Because um, if you don't like, you just can return it and that's fine. Um, yeah. You can order something else and come with questions. What are the things that you didn't like? Um, that's it. There's no question asked. We will improve that. Do you have a sense of your return rate versus the industry? Like, is there more traditional online retailers for wine and is there a return rate? Yeah, compared to the benchmark, I do not know because I'm pretty sure mm. that we are one of the few that has this, this policy of yep. the free returns. Um, and again, without comparing ourselves to others, just looking at our, our, our numbers, the returns is not an, is not an issue at Vinomo. No, yeah. We don't have a return department. We don't have people... Yep specifically taking care of returns. We just have a, an amazing customer service team that take care of the 100% happiness. And where one of the tasks is just to make sure that if there are returns, we just process the returns, provide the, the refund, and probably ask for feedback. It's pretty interesting though. I would guess that other retailers might not be able to offer it because of the problem that you're solving where people, you know, if you're asking them, they don't know what they want and they find it hard to understand what all these different wine terms actually mean. The chances mm -hmm. that they're going to make a mistake is probably a fair bit higher. And so by presenting wine in a language that everybody can understand, you're actually helping people make choices that they, that are more true to what they're after. And that gives you this competitive advantage where you can offer this uh, pretty amazing returns policy, but you know because of the way that you're cutting through the BS language, uh, people yeah. are going to make the right choice. Just stepping a bit outside of Vinomofo world, it's on the marketing side, is how the company believes on the product that the company sells. Mm. We we believe what we sell, we know what we sell, we know it's actually fantastic wine, and we believe it, so we are not scared of offering that policy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another company that does it very well, or at least they used to, I think they do it uh, these days, is Uber. Uh, Uber Eats, if you try to um, say, like, I didn't like it or because it didn't meet my whatever expectation, Uber will believe your refund because they trust in their platform, they trust in their suppliers, they trust in the in the in the chain. And that is fantastic. And it's mm. more or less the same. They both the companies they trust in their pros. They know that they nothing is perfect. And but they take as a feedback to continually improve the offering for the customer. Delivering hundred percent happiness guarantee. So your suppliers I feel like this, your approach is quite different to anything that used to exist in this industry. Um, given that a lot of them have been in the industry for a long time, were they on board straight away and they were waiting for something like this? Or actually it took a bunch of education to convince them that this is a way to unlock a great opportunity for them? What did that look like? Yeah, definitely it was a journey. Yeah. Probably eight years ago is not is not what it is right now. So it took an an education journey that is not to the supplier but also for ourselves to un keep understanding how the industry actually wants to operate, understanding the supplier's challenges and understanding the customer demands, and that is what price are they willing to pay, at, and which wines do they want to drink. And bringing that together, being as a retail model, um, how can we optimize both of these relationships to have a great balance? And I think we are far from 
been perfect, but we are in a pretty good deal with the suppliers where they understand how Venom operates and mm -hmm. to meet the customer experience that we want yep. to deliver with that wine. Um, we wish we could have um, offered more and more wines, and there are hundreds and billions of reasons why we, we would like um, our range is the way it is because a very specific range, very well curated, because again, goes with our policy where we sell only the wines that we like. It's only good wine only. And the suppliers, they know that. That makes sense. And I mean, that's probably, it's, it's interesting where you're at the stage you are now where your business has grown a lot. Um, I imagine it's, it's validated the opportunity for the suppliers and now the curation is actually like you're in a more powerful position to offer curation because you understand your customers more you're seeing what's successful and you can go to suppliers and be like look when something's successful with us this is the kind of volume it can do and so this is the bar we need to be met and then as a supplier that's not only like you know i think you've moved well beyond this place where you're trying to convince them of an opportunity it's like you've proven that there's an opportunity and you can probably actually quantify how much of an opportunity there is and so as a supplier that's pretty enticing i think correct it's and it's a win-win situation for yeah win-win-win as a supplier the customer and vinomofo and that's how we keep yeah. everyone happy um yeah it's it's true that the we do respect the, the curation of the wines, uh, and that's a policy we are suppliers. Um, we also deliver uh, mixed cases where we probably interpret what the customer's needs are and build the case for, to meet those, those needs for the customer. So we mm -hmm. bring a great price from the suppliers, the, the need from the, from the customer to try different ones in one single box, and put it available on vinomofo.com. So that's yeah. an, an example of meeting a great supply chain and understanding the customer uh, demands and, and expectations. That makes sense. Um, so we now, when we chatted earlier, we were like, oh, I'm actually really your target market customer because I like wine, but I don't know really anything about it. Um, and I don't know the difference between a lot of names. I just know what I like. And we thought it would be fun and to do a testing on this show and kind of and and show people. So you sent me some wine for that. And to prove how much I don't know about wine, I actually had to go out this morning and buy some wine glasses because I didn't have any God. in the house. Uh, that's how much of a Neanderthal I am. And so the... I, I went to the wine shop and this is where the wine world even gets more complicated. I was like, oh, I need a wine glass. And he's like, which one? I was like, I don't know. Like there's all different shapes and different things. And I pointed to one yeah. and he's like, that's a burgundy glass. And I was like, burgundy. Uh, I don't know what that means. I was like, I saw this one, which has a pretty interesting 2020 label. The Rona. And I was like, that looks like wine glasses I've seen before. Like, how about that one? He's like, yeah, that's a red wine glass. I was like, okay, well, there's only red or white, isn't there? So I'll, I'll get that. And then I was like, well, dude, that's red, what's white? And he gave me this one. And so I have my dual Rona glasses. Um, and you've sent me some wine. So I think we should kind of do a bit of a live show showing people what this actually looks like. And we can try to see if I would describe things in a way that might appear on your website. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And uh, I will join you because uh, I did a uh, mind prepared. And as you can oh, see, wow. it's, very yeah, it's very similar to your red wine. And mm -hmm. actually, there are different type of red wine glasses. And not a while ago, we got a customer that someone had that we were promoting Pinot Noir and the glass that we were using wasn't a Pinot Noir glass. And he actually suggested, it's like, can you use a Pinot Noir glass? And we were like, oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, we, we, and obviously we know what a Pinot Noir glass is, but it's not the message that we want to deliver to everyone. 
Like it's okay, yeah. it's not a Pinot Noir glass. It's fantastic. You can drink. It's all about the the good wine. Uh, the and bring it to everyone. Not everyone can afford a Pinot Noir glass, and that's okay. That's fantastic. Mm. It's um and probably with, without meaning that mean that it just. Yeah, probably we'll try to use Pinot Noir glasses, but it won't be a core thing in our strategy. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I did debate just using a water glass on this call, but I was like, it's probably a level where you need to at least use like a cylindrical, you know, wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a starting Look, point. Yeah, uh, I will be a little bit, not disappointed, but I would say, <laughs> James, I was expecting more. One glass would be fun. Yeah, ideal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that would be, I think that would be fair pushback, especially after you've sent me half a dozen bottles of wine. The least I can do is actually have a wine glass. <laughs> what, what bottles do you have there? Because I cannot remember the, all, the, all the wine that I've sent you. So we've got uh, one, which this is actually uh, <laughs> Le Rosé, Henry. Faber? Yes. And oh, you got all the ros the rosé. Yeah. Yes. It was a, a rosé yes. party. Um Chateau du something. The Clapier. Clapier? Clip. Excuse my French. Clapier. Yeah. Is that the Clapier? I imagine so. Yep. <laughs> it is. Well, and then we've got another French friend. We started on a high with Le Rosé. Everything since has gone into somebody's fancy house. Chateau. Ooh. Most of those wines are, as you can tell, French. Oh, that is, that is good. All of those wines are very, very good. Yeah. Did well. With the Rosé, it's... Do you have food with you? Have you eaten? You were talking about Uber Eats. I have eaten. You were talking That's about good. Uber Eats before. I live by myself. I'm a, I'm a pretty typical guy. Like, I actually live on <laughs> Deliveroo. I, if, you, if you see Deliveroo goes out of business, it wouldn't surprise me if James Gilbert in Singapore had something to do with it because they have this Deliveroo Unlimited plan, which for $10, you get free deliveries for a whole month. Wow. Uh, you, so it's like, it's madness. Like I literally live on Deliveroo and it costs about the same as it would cost for me to cook because I live by myself. And so... Yeah, I and that's actually um, for the sake of the conversation. I think the the economy and the custom and and the customer is, is getting more educated in terms of the economy of things. And as you mm. say, your ten that ten dollars is not the, is not the ten dollars. It's it's actually not cook you not cooking because you probably your time yeah. probably it's more valuable than those ten dollars, and that's how you. Want to? It's debatable. <laughs> eh, we can we can discuss that in another <laughs> webinar. But uh, um, um, it's how people make decisions these days. And there's yeah. another plenty of services, um, food delivered like uh, whole the meal plans. You're yes. not buying yep. the food. You're buying no. not. You're buying time for not cooking and enjoying things that you you probably wouldn't have enjoyed if you had to cook. There's economy. There's even like, I think you kind of touched on it where people buy a lot of things for convenience or they buy things for simplicity, often as much as the raw product. And one of the things that has frustrated me when I've tried to cook, apart from uh, in ineptability to actually cook, is that I have to buy all these ingredients and to buying for cooking for one, for one meal, you can never actually buy the right amount of ingredients. And so you end up either having to try to make use of those in a Linda Ada meal, cook and eat the same meal, you know, have leftovers and eat the same meal for a bunch. There's actually an inconvenience in the output of the cooking, which is like you can't just get the exact ingredients you need for one meal. You know, if I had some cooking skills and wanted some spices and all that stuff, like I'd have to go and buy the whole spice racks and like if I just wanted it for one meal, it's super inefficient. But I think you're right. Those more meal prep styles 
they have the convenience around the ingredients. I would like to say that I thought about that when I sent you the rosé, um, because the rosé is the one that you get in storage one, once you open it. It's not yes. like a red wine that once you open it, yeah, probably it doesn't have much time to, um, to lose its flavors and lose the, 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 the quality of the wine. So um, I think I made a good decision with the rosé because I don't want you to waste six bottles of wine. And I don't want you to drink six bottles of wine either at the same t- and, uh, in one day. So that, that would that not would go be well. Very dangerous as well. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I've opened this one. Which glass should I use? Because this is like, you've kind of ruined my red white thing because this feels it's in the middle. To be honest, and going with a Vinomoff away, use whatever mm. you like. Okay. Go with the, with the Rona. I like the Rona, Rona. one. Rona. <laughs> yes. yes. I feel like Fantastic. Rona has definitely made Be gentle with the pouring. Drink. Okay. What does it be gentle with the pouring mean? Don't go. Just go gentle. Okay. Just touch. That doesn't. It's, um, I don't know if you notice in, uh, in some restaurants. It's a few, most of the restaurants. Um, it's. If you go to a fancy one, the 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 garçon, the waitress, it's would never touch the bottle, uh, would never touch the glass with the bottle. That is uh, like in the philosophy of wine and and dining. That's like like a no go. How dare yeah. you? And the oh, reality, wow. the reality is like, how important is that? Would that ruin yeah. the taste of the wine? Probably not. Yeah. And that's what the Vino Mofo way is. Like, um, you drink wine to enjoy, be with uh, family, friends, etc., partners, to enjoy um, with good wine. Then you don't have to dress with a tuxedo to drink wine. You don't yeah. have to. If you um, touch the glass with, uh, with a bottle, that's fine. This, that's why you probably have more glasses. <laughs> but it, just don't yeah. break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, that it, it's definitely as I was doing research, it's definitely a brand over my own after my own heart. Like I do think a lot of those constructions are kind of BS. That it's like you have to have this other language, or you have to like act in a certain way, or understand these things that are um, unnecessarily complicated. It's like no, like does it taste good or not? And is it in my price point or not? Uh, and that's kind of all that should matter, I feel like. Yeah, it's exactly. It's what it matters to you. And not, mm. you're not drinking wine to impress people. It's what yeah. wine means to Correct. you. Correct. Yeah. And you're not asking for it in a way to impress people. It's not <laughs> like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Let me demonstrate my knowledge. It's like, I'm eating lamb. Is there something that's good with lamb? I mean, it's always nice. It's always very nice to do those things. I think mm. um, those type of things are probably um, a bit far for from everyone. I think it's it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, and that's not what we want. I want good. We no. we want good. Have good wine for as many people as we can, and they can drink it however they want. So I've poured this. I've just I poured a very small amount. If uh, Kip or Kieran, my bosses, are watching this podcast, what <laughs> should I do now? I've seen lots of movies where they like swirled around. Gentle, gentle, give you some air. Um, probably rosé. Okay. They need a little bit less air than mm-hmm. um, probably a red wine. Again, I'm the head of marketing. I'm not the head of buying. John Clark, the head of buying, probably will hate me for doing the doing his job. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is just uh, give a bit of a swirl. Um, mm-hmm. Don't ever grab the glass like this, please. That's that oh. will hurt me. How how, um, how should you hold just, it like this? Yeah, just gentle oh. three fingers. Uh, mm. Some people, depending God. on what drink you're doing, you can hold it like this. Depending oh. what you drink, again. My dexterity is uh, not that good. Mm. Yeah, for me is again the holding doesn't really necessarily will ruin the drink um mm-hmm. and this is how i do it and you can do it how you please um mm-hmm. probably we could follow the book of how to taste wine the master class there are for you online um just 
Smell it. Look at it. How does it taste to you? We're drinking different wines, obviously. Um, mm. I just want to see what, what do you perceive from that wine? And then I could probably read what the description is if you want to uh, okay. a bit of, do a yeah, bit of a challenge. Let's do that. Let me. Okay. What does it taste like? Okay. It tastes reasonably light. Like I could, you know, it's not, it's probably something you could drink a bit of. It's, <laughs> this might be bad. And I hope the producer is not listening and gets angry. Like, it feels like almost a bit of a alcoholic-y apple juice. Like it's like a really light apple juice type uh, feeling. And it's weird. It's like it hits the tip of my tongue and it hits the back of my throat and not not really anywhere in between. I'm going to get some hate mail from the producer about that apple juice comment. We'll do. <laughs> no, you'll be I love fine. apple you'll juice though. So, we, won't, yeah. we won't tell him. What was the name again of the wine? It's uh, the Fondresh. Domain Fondresh? Yes, that's exactly the pronunciation that I was oh, about to this say. Is, this is actually a nice game. Tell me three attributes again from the wine. Light, for sure. Mm -hmm. And almost like apple-y. We'll drop the juice. Like almost like apple. Like it tastes like I'm taking a bite of a fresh apple. It kind of hits the back of my throat as well. So, see, you were not very far. You actually okay. could, like, you could taste more wine. That's actually good. So, could, this wine yeah. is, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's very rich in berries. So, mm -hmm. apples, but mostly berries, but very fruity. Close cousins. Yep. Um, yeah, we put a, the bucket of cousins. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, delicate, uh, light body, bright. So, all these descriptions, mm -hmm. you probably... You felt it. So again, you know, yeah. I, I assume, James, if, if you probably, if you lie to me, if you're a con and not a, a connoisseur, I'm pretty sure that you are spot on. So, and, that, and, that, and that's what we want. Uh, we want people that mm -hmm. um, can enjoy uh, the glass of wine with their own language. And then we can put, probably add a couple of uh, more and better description to that. But it's how you taste it. And it's fine, yep. and it's actually quite accurate to what a wine actually is. So, you you're good at James. You go. Well, if you if you need a marketing <laughs> job, mate, <laughs> I'll I'll keep it in mind. If we had had me drink all six <laughs> bottles, I think you could probably have got me across the line, maybe on the podcast. But uh, the so how do you as a company think about this? So I think when you started there was this pretty clear challenge where there was a language around wine that gave it an unnecessary and false exclusivity. And you've really done a good job of breaking that down. How will you know you've achieved success in democratizing wine for people um, that are just after something that tastes good to drink? And Success. It takes time to analyze that success. Mm -hmm. um, how do we cross demographic within within wine is seeing mm -hmm. a different demographic of people drinking our wine. That is one of the metrics that we actually, I actually take care of it. Um, market share of what is a wine online, which is a market that we compete. And that mm -hmm. will tell me that we succeeded within our strategy. Um, and I think can't put words in without Justin. Justin is the, the founder, but, um, I think he's not really interested to be excessively the number one. He just mm -hmm. wants to bring wine paired with food and keep happy people. Um, yeah. And sometimes we understand the dynamics of the market. That doesn't mean that you might be exclusively the number one. You're going to mm. be in a really good position, and that's what we want. Um, yeah. So that's, I think that's something very important to keep in mind is there anything though around like the number when you think about oh we're trying to serve more demographics to really open this up do you i, I know when i used to work um for red balloon we had this big hairy audacious goal of we wanted i think it was two million experiences to happen in australia and that was our idea of success as it relates to like uh vino mofo customers is there a number of customers you're shooting for that will kind of indicate to you that you've that you are democratizing wine? 
Justin always says that he wants one, ha- one million happy mofos. Oh, okay. Be great to have one million happy mofos. Um, yeah. And I think it's um, as you get into the more marketing metric is how you define what a customer is. And, oh, that's interesting. Um, because it's someone that purchased once uh, a customer that we want to keep. Yes. Um, but probably needs more uh, more time to nurture that content so they can become a most mm-hmm. loyal mofo. And that's what yeah. we want, the quality customer drinking quality wine and loving our product as much as we love it. Um, yeah. So it's always good to put numbers. Uh, I love putting numbers. I'm a very analytical yeah. person. Um, but I want, I prefer quality over quantity. I think one of the things that, so this show is called Unconventional Business and the trend with all our guests is they did something unconventional that was right and they saw success because of that. And I think you guys have shown that in the wine industry where for hundreds of years people thought you had to understand this wine language in able to understand what wines to buy and what was good and what you liked. And you've kind of shown that no, you can use your normal daily language and figure out what wines you like, and that's going to open it up to a lot more people. Is there something you're doing now that you're that people are doubting that they're saying like, no, you can't. That's not the way the world works. And you're like, oh, actually, we think this is the way the world works. Hmm. Very complex question, James. Love it. <laughs> um... Well, it's because we've only had half a glass of wine, not six bottles. Yeah, thank God. Uh, getting <laughs> philosophical. <laughs> the, qu- the answer is always it depends. Because we mm-hmm. obviously have different goals as a business. Uh, then different within the business, we have brand goals. Um, so it really, really depends. I guess maybe one interesting way to think about it would be if someone's saying, oh, I don't know why Vino Mofo exists if I can just go to Dan Murphy's and buy wine. How would you answer that? Like, why would you say that Vino Mofo exists? You can always go to Dan Murphy um, mm-hmm. two by one. And I will never stop anyone to go to the competition to two by one. Um, what I will encourage is just to try the wines that Vino Mofo sells. And you can try mm-hmm. the difference because we don't sell the same wines. And the brand promises are different. One retailer sometimes promising the best price guarantee which is arguable and we don't we don't promise the best price guarantee we just promise epic wine deals uh, and good wine only so we bring good wine good value with the wine um and i will actually encourage people to try the difference between buying a Shiraz 2017 in one place and buying a Shiraz 2017 from Vino Mofo, and they will know the difference. It will taste different. The experience is different. Um, making a line in a supermarket is different than buying online. The boxing mm. is different. There's so many elements that why I would uh, buy from Vino Mofo than compared to somewhere else. Um, yeah. I'm, I believe that we, we offer the best wine in, in, in Australia, to be honest. It seems a lot of those points really tie up to curation. And so mm-hmm. like while you started with democratizing the language around wine, now you're layering in this curation layer of, no, we have tasters in the field. That's how we're putting it in a language everybody can understand. And like, you know, there's so many wine varieties out there and so many producers instead of us giving you this unlimited selection, we're actually going to give you a curated selection in a language you can understand. And and that seems to be the counterpoint against Dan's, where it's actually Dan's lowest price, whatever you want. It's like, no, we have done the hard work of actually finding you the best products and we are talking about them in a language you can understand. And so we're actually eliminating a bunch of the choice through our curation. And that's how we're unique. Yeah, and that's that's a business that we want to build based on mm. the curation because the curation will bring 
sustainable audience to be a long-term relationship with with it. Um, yeah. I don't want to offer um, a product that because it was cheap, someone goes to Vinomov and buys once and never buys, buys it again. Yeah. I just don't want that. I don't want um, the customer to perceive that. To do it is fantastic. I'm not saying it shouldn't. Uh, I believe um, a good customer it's some the, the relationship I want to be with my customer is someone that is always wants to buy one from Vinomofo because they know that they're going to get good ones and a ridiculous great price and with um, mm -hmm. the, with the freedom of returning if they don't like. Um, yeah. That's what I want the customer to to take from Vinomofo with a selected curated wine. And the reality is like, if you like Shiraz, any Shiraz that you buy from Vinomofo.com, you you will love it, trust me. It's, yep. uh, it's, it's as simple as that. It's been really interesting to learn about Vinomofo a lot. As a, as a, someone that enjoys wine, but somebody that has never been able to um, ensure that he was buying stuff that aligned with what he enjoyed, I, I love the service like you guys existing where I can kind of, if I want to understand my choices more, you've democratized that, you know, and you've presented it in a way that I want to understand. And then if I just want to trust your judgment instead of my own, which quite frankly, after my apple juice comment is probably a smart move, uh, I can do that as well. And you're providing me with good quality wines at a fair price. Um, mm -hmm. So I think you've got a customer for life in me. And what else you want? Yeah, exactly. I will probably add to that probably fast delivery. Uh, yeah, the returns, um, friendly, uber friendly and human contact when cast calling customer service. They're, they're a very fun bunch of people. Uh, they will probably yep. joke with you. They will, um, and that is actually what it makes it the real difference that, um, and the relationship with our customers. Um, and mm. Justin always says like, we want to keep happy mofos. That's what we want. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's it. It's it's sometimes we and including myself, we get confused with different um messages around the business world where we simplify, we just keep the customer happy. Just keep yeah. the customer happy. It will return. Just give them the product that they want at the price that they want to pay. Um don't be invasive with the marketing, be settled, be relevant. Mm -hmm. It's doesn't it's it's actually not that hard. Well, it's simple but hard you know it's yeah. like like a lot of things it's we need to uh sell it for more than it costs us to buy it and we need to make sure our customers are happy and those two things are pretty simple but they're hard to pull off um in a meaningful way because it requires you know a lot of skill around execution it requires balancing a lot of different parties it, it requires you to stay always relevant. I imagine as the as you've seen success, you've probably also seen a bunch of copycats and people trying to do similar things. And so you need to always be innovative on your offering to deliver against those core principles of making sure the customer's happy and making sure you are actually making money as a business. Um, but it seems like you guys are, are managing to stay ahead of that pretty well and, and growing substantially. I know you've expanded uh, beyond Australia and now, you know, I'm here in Singapore and, and you managed to deliver me six bottles extremely quickly. Um, and I think New Zealand as well. Yeah, you see, we, we have a, a, the shop online there in New Zealand. Um, different markets and in, mm -hmm. now international expansion, it's, um, it's a delicate topic because of COVID. Um, I, yeah. I don't think Vino Mofo was the only one impacted uh, by by COVID. Um, it's a reality which affects mm. international markets. Um, so that's that's an interesting, uh, an interesting one. I would like to do Vino Mofo everywhere. I would like. To, I'm from yeah. Argentina. I would love to have Vino Mofo Argentina. Um, yeah, but uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, um, no, not yet. No, no, no. I don't think we will know what the concept of Mofo is in Argentina. 
That is tricky. I know. It's a yeah. I I love that personification of the brand because I do think it it really I know it came about quickly through doing research of your story, but it actually speaks to what you stand for in a really interesting way where it's like, no, we are not, we are, I don't want to say anti-establishment, but we are about saying the things that have been unsaid in the wine world and like Mofo's probably aligns pretty well with that. I don't think we want to be a massive retailer that, um, that, um, you know, uh, has the typical massive retailer model. I think we want to remain independent. Mm -hmm want to keep our uh, happy morphos and that's where we operate and we are happy with it. Obviously, we want to grow yep. the business um, by keeping our philosophy uh, as, as its core of our values. Well, I think it's very authentic too. And that's yeah. actually really when you get to the crux of what your success has been in taking away the pretentiousness around wine is you've actually empowered people to authentically choose and understand and talk about wine in a way that everybody else can relate to. And I think that means things like you don't get as many returns because you're talking to people about wine in a way they can understand. You're not intimidating people with having to learn this language. And so they're not then intimidated from sharing wine with other people. You're really empowering them to authentically enjoy a drink that everybody, you know, should enjoy in the way they want and whether that's out of a water glass or a nine dollar rona wine glass it, it shouldn't really matter at the end of the day so i love your approach as somebody that's um uh what would you say or authentically uh opposed to any form of pretension i i'm a big embracer of brand like like yourself so Thank you for existing. I'm I'm definitely going to be a customer for life, and I've really enjoyed our chat. And thank you for the six bottles of wine. That's a that's a bit of a perk of this uh, job. I joked around that Joe Rogan got a hundred million, and I haven't got anything yet. But six bottles of wine is a good start. <laughs> no, thank you for the kind words. Actually, that's good to hear. I always take time, at least once a week, to go through these questions and make sure that I'm delivering what I say I was going to deliver. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've really enjoyed the chat. I enjoyed the wine and I, I'm looking forward to enjoying the other uh, five bottles that, that you so kindly Be careful, drink responsibly. Remember, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a race. It's not even a marathon. Yeah. It's just, yeah. just enjoy it. All right, Mariano. Well, thanks again for joining us. I've, I've really enjoyed our chat. Thank you. Thank you, James and... Uh, yeah, good job. I love the podcast and keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic for also for your audience. Thanks for tuning in to Unconventional Business by HubSpot. If you liked what you listened to, please subscribe and I'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, it's producer Tommy here. And one last thing before we go, we have a VinoMofo discount code for you. Head over to VinoMofo, choose your wine and use the code Hubby Mofo. That's H U B Y M O F O for $30 off for first time orders. Enjoy.